Well, Howard, come here a minute. Big Howard, come here and praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now, the Lord's done a shifting in your life. He's taken the wheel of the car. And you find yourself more focused on God, is what the Lord is saying. He says, I took the wheel, and now the focus is on me, says the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm filling your mouth with words that you never thought you would speak, says the Spirit of God. And there will be a depth to your understanding of me. There will be a depth to your words. There will be a transition in your voice, in your faith, in your confidence in me, and in your determination and your zeal for me. That's the, the word the Lord says. I have released a zeal. It's been in there all along, says the Lord. But the Lord says, I took, shifted and turned the wheel of the car, and now you're riding with me driving, says the Lord. And so God says, now in this flow, in this direction, I can do everything I want to do in you. I can release everything I want to release in you. And I can use you like never before, says the Lord. The Lord's saying he's going to give you a word that's going to influence people and shake them up on the inside and release in them a power and a direction. And so the Lord says, this is not just your car, but this is a bus. And you're driving a bus, and it's full of people who are going in the right direction. And I'm releasing you to evangelize these people, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. Amen. And mom, you can cry a little bit if you want to. It's a good day. Amen. Praise God. God's good. He does things that we we don't really know what's going on a lot of times and we but we know there's something in us that God can use at any time and he can call it up and he can pull it up at any time. Amen. The Lord's saying also you're going to be an influence in your household, your brothers and sisters are going to get more godly influence because of your leadership. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So look out, family. Everybody goes to everybody goes straighten up. There's a new sheriff in town. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's a new sheriff in town. Praise God. Amen. It's good. It's a good thing. Amen. When the firstborn start taking their place, you know, God has a time for everything and you know he just releases these things so it's a blessing yeah it's a blessing amen praise god praise god praise god praise god oh you get yourself up oh it's good. <laughs> praise god so um Anyway, we're, we're in our book of the Amos Paradigm, and we're on page 69. This is chapter 8. It's the difference a day makes. The difference a day makes. 
if you realize that most of your prayers are answered in one day. <laughs> one day you'll be sitting there thinking it's never going to happen. The next day it's happened already. Amen. And then life and responsibility are sitting right in the middle of your living room. So, <laughs> you know, and, and life goes on. I think God is really concerned about how we manage what he, you know, gives to us and, and what, he, what our prayers can, be, uh, can bring in. There has to be a management of things. <clears throat> and I think many times the delay comes to prepare us for the management. Uh, when, when new things and, and transitional things happen in our lives, it's really similar to a birth. Uh, and that, that is so accurate a description when, when you see the Bible describing things in those terms because a woman is given nine months to prepare for that new life because it's going to be life-changing for her. And so when you understand that God has to <clears throat> make us aware, uh, ready and aware and prepared for the responsibility of management of what he gives us because he expects it to last forever. So whatever God does lasts really as long as we want it. And it's in, in, it is to be in our lives forever. God doesn't do anything on a temporary basis. So he prepares us for responsibility in management of the new things that he brings into our lives. So it's not just to start things and, uh, you know, dump them in somebody else's lap. But it's to manage things for him. Because if they come from him, then there's part of his life involved in these things. And there is a way God wants his life managed down here on earth. Um, I, I hear some people, they'll say things like, uh, uh, so-and-so, I'm an apostle. You know, they'll say I said, well, where are your churches? I just start them and I leave them. And I said, well, that's just like somebody having a baby and just dropping it somewhere. You don't do that. See, if God's really put something in you to start something, you watch it and you nurture it and you care for it. You don't just, you know, how dare you talk about God's people like that? You know, you're talking about people here. You're not talking about something, a thing. These are people with lives and that invest their time and their resources, their finances, all of that stuff. People invest in a work of God or in a church. People often give their best to God. And you talk about them, you just stop them and I start them and leave them. And I say, well, this isn't an apostle talking to me. You know, these, this is a nutcase. So I'm just wasting my time. Let me move on. You understand what I'm saying? You don't talk about anything God gives you like that. You don't talk about your family like that. You don't talk about your job like that. You know, anything God gives you, there's a reverence and a respect for it. You know, it's, it really is that way. And so I remember years ago, <clears throat> a pastor of a church where we first started was saying that he said, you know, I said, I, I've been praying God's had me uh, doing some things and managing my time better and he said God told he said he reminded me he said you prayed for me to give you a wife and a family I gave you two children now you spend very little time with them you understand there's a there's a conviction that should come when we don't manage the things of God properly 
So much of our waiting, what we think we're waiting because we're ready for something and we're hardly ready. Because God gives us, give them to us in the fullness of time. That means he's, he's watching for a ripeness in a situation so that he can put it into our lives at the right moment and it can be a blessing and there's no sorrow added to it. Many times we're, we're hard for things and hot for things and feverish about stuff and that fever burns out and after a while we're left with what we have. We had that all along. We just had a different understanding of what it was. We didn't know the value of it. We didn't know how precious it was. So the waiting has to do with God developing a relationship with you for the things he's going to bless you with so that they're precious to you. The Bible says the husband when waits for the precious rain to come in its season. Precious is what you wait for. Huh? That's mm-hmm. what you wait for. I was listening to the testimony of, um, oh, what's my girl's name? Mm-mm. Um, <laughs> and I see her face, Brigitte. Um, Gabriel, yeah. She, has, she started a, a ministry called ACT. And she gives, she has, starts different chapters of this organization and she dis- dispenses information and encourages people especially in the nation of America to fight against Muslims in Islam coming into this nation she's from Lebanon and she remembers she has a history in her life of when the Le- uh, the Lebanese people started to be kind to the Muslims and how they took over her nation and so she lived, she said she and her, her family lived for about 12 years. Where were they, in a bunker or something like that? Yeah. And uh, couldn't go out for fear of being murdered by the Islamists. And she said for years they believed that the Americans would come and rescue them. You know who came and rescued them? It was the Israeli army. One night she was rescued. But she was born, and this is something interesting, when her parents when they would talk about what would happen when the Muslims came to kill everybody. And her parents told her, you know, you run. Don't wait for us. Her parents, she was born when her mother, her mother was, what, 55 years old? In the fullness of time, things are done, folks. They're not just done. And she was born for such a time as this. Because at this point, this is when her message would be heard. She'd been born earlier. Who wants to listen to If we think that we're so powerful as Americans, we're not going to listen to this. But now that the threat is imminent, now she has an audience and people want to listen to her. Amen. Because of her message. And so when God has you waiting, folks, you're not waiting in vain. As long as you're serving God, nothing you do is in vain. Amen. And so stay with what God has for you so that he can can get you involved in the things that are important, that he keeps you peaceful, even though you don't have, who has everything that they want? You know, nobody does. And so, you know, Donald Trump with all his billions, he still wants to be president. You understand what I'm saying? There's always something that somebody wants that that their heart longs for. And so we have to remember that. But God can make a difference in one day. 
one day you're thinking it won't happen and then tomorrow the next day is right there in your midst but if you stay with god you'll be fully prepared for what it is he places in your life so this is the difference a day makes and said it doesn't take many words to announce the oncoming of a new season if it's the right word from the start elisha postured himself somewhere between despair and anguish and with the use of one primary word became an ambassador of deliverance declaring prosperity was only a day away he intentionally selected the word tomorrow to ignite hope in the hearts of those who heard him you know sometimes god releases words what we think at the last minute because sometimes if people have to wait more than 2 days for something they're already discouraged and full of unbelief god wants us to believe him he makes it easy for us to have faith not hard but easy and so it says here he intentionally selected the word tomorrow to ignite hope in the hearts of those who heard him imagine the emotional flood that washed over the hungry and heartbroken people of samaria when god's prophet uttered this message listen god's word the famine's over this time tomorrow there will be plentiful it food will be plentiful a handful of meal for a shekel two handfuls of grain for a shekel the market at the city gate will be buzzing with one word a kingdom was transformed from their dilemma into their deliverance within 24 hours they had a new currency a new diet but more than anything else they had new hope only god could have orchestrated the series of events that led to their dramatic resurrection from the throes of death itself You need to know that whatever it is that you're waiting on depends on God moving on the hearts of other people to obey him. This is this is something that we just don't like to face and we don't like to think of. But when God said of John the Baptist, he grew and waxed strong and grew in favor with God and with man. There will always be people involved in your dream. and there will always be people involved in your deliverance in your salvation in anything that God has to do with you and for you there will always be people involved but these people will be faithful people amen if there's something in your life that needs to be done you can trust God to raise up the right person to get involved in your situation he raises up and that's why it's good for you to be faithful to God because the more faithful you are the more you can depend on him to bring people that are just like you amen in their faithfulness like he won't shortchange you or anything like that now he uses faithful people all the time but the more faithful you are you can expect good at the hand of god you're not expecting him to just put some jerk in your life who's not going to be do the right thing or is going to mess stuff up for you you'll be able to have that faith and confidence because the bible says to him who's pure all things are pure you know you don't think about people just doing you wrong or messing you up you're not fearful about people you're not afraid to trust people or anything like that you know you you know 
God and you know what God will do and how he's going to help you. So it doesn't bother you at all that God's going to use somebody. You know, I'll have people that sometimes they'll call me or if they get to know me, they'll call me and, and, you know, have a where they've prayed and have a word from the Lord. You know, we never had that before. Well, you know, we always took care of ourselves, you know, so to speak. But now God showed me this. He said, remember the prayer I gave you, release the voice of the prophets. And he said, now that prayer is being answered and it's coming back to you to bless your life so that I'll get the most faithful ones of them to speak into your life now. And so it is a blessing to be able to see that come full circle like that, that God will will do that, (coughs) excuse me, and will help us beyond measure. It says the day began with no noticeable difference than the day before. And that's how the blessing day starts. The citizens of Samaria were as hungry at sunrise as they had been at sundown the evening earlier. Meanwhile, outside the gates of the city were the lepers and the outcasts, where the lepers and the outcasts had been exiled, a dreadful realization had dawned with the morning. No food would be provided any longer for those who con- those considered to be in worse condition than those within the walled city of Samaria. So really the lepers were at a disadvantage compared to the people who were on the inside of the city. And so they are sitting there and they are thinking to themselves, why sit we here until we die? Amen. So that means get up and do something. A lot of people get so accustomed to death that they don't even know it's death. See, this is a revelation to them. You understand what I'm saying? This this revelation has to proceed deliverance. Revelation of God has to proceed any act of God that comes to bring a change, that comes to bring a deliverance or a manifestation of his grace, anything like that. Somebody, because everybody's sitting in the same mental position, physical position, somebody got to wake up and hear from God. You understand what I'm saying? Or it's going to go on like it always has gone on. And so just because God announces the famine's over, that doesn't mean it's going to happen for people who don't believe. Go get enough of trying to ride on somebody else's faith. You understand what I'm saying? You'll say, God, you know what? Let me be the person to get the first revelation of it. You know what I'm saying? That's the way I feel. Shoot your, I'm, choose me first. Tell me first. I want to be on the first boat out of here when it, things are bad. You understand? And so it, but it has to come with a revelation from God. It can't come when you're used to secondhand information all the time that puts you in a position. People think it puts them in a position of power because they can judge whether they believe it or not. Be the one who wants to hear it first from God, you know, yourself to get, you know, not that you don't listen to anybody else. Now, don't get crazy on me. But I'm saying be the one who wants to stick your hand up and say, God, choose me. I want to be that person. You know, and if I'm not equipped to be that person now, help me, prepare me, straighten me up, situate me, get my ears clean, my heart pure, whatever it needs for me to be able to hear it because I want to be the person who can hear the revelation from God. Because not everybody can and not everybody wants to be that person. Everybody's not interested in a relationship, you know, from God where they can have a message that will change a world. They don't want it. 
And so the few people who do, you want to be that few people. Because as long as you can talk to God and get an answer from God, get hope for God and get something from God, there's hope for you and everybody else. You see what I'm saying? Somebody's got to do that job and be that person. He says, among the hopeless were four lepers engaged in a most insightful conversation. They concluded there were no good options that would bring relief to their situation. They'd be cast out, downtrodden, stepped on, rebuked evaded, avoided, to call upon family and friends within the city for food meant certain starvation. The other choice was to give themselves to the Syrian army who had caused this problem in the first place. The lepers were wise enough to know that they would be put to death by the Syrian soldiers, but they were hopeful enough to believe they would be allowed to eat before being killed. You got me? I mean, just that. How many times have we seen that in the Bible? The widow. I'm gonna. I got a meal. I'm gonna make a cake. We gonna eat it and die. But God, Amen. Sometimes the choices just aren't very good. And like the four lepers, you analyze the options only to realize none of them are really viable. Why sit we here? Of all their considerations, the lepers knew one thing for certain. What they had been doing wasn't working anymore. How many times do we hold on to stuff because we're afraid to let go of it? And it's obvious to us that this ain't doing what it's supposed to do. You understand what I'm saying? Most of the time it wasn't meant to do much. Huh? <laughs> Oftentimes we don't invest enough in it. We quit too soon. We're too easily frustrated, too easily tired, too easily worn out, too easily this, easily that. The Lord showed me at the beginning, <laughs> beginning of a. Let me think. When was it? It's not been quite a year ago, but I had asked God. I said, God, show me. I want. I want you to do a miracle for me. And so I was thinking about a vehicle just to pull our trailer because the ministry van, the old red one, wasn't it's built too low. It just wasn't right, you know. And so I began to pray and ask the Lord. And so he showed me the beast that we can beast in more ways than one that we have out there now. I got this thing and I put so much of my money. I wouldn't put ministry money in it because you didn't choose that. I chose it. I put so much of my money in that thing, and it, people worked on it in Cleveland, Detroit. And, and then I looked at myself, and he said, I'm going to do the same thing for you. Huh? I started getting challenged in my health. And so every time that truck needed something, he said, I, 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 I. He said, I told you I was going to show you a miracle. Huh? Restoration is a miracle, folks. You know why it's a miracle? Because people will discard what's not pretty, what's not youthful, what's not, you understand what I'm saying? Not, what's not working, what's not new, what's not working perfectly. We quick to want to throw stuff out. But then we'll, we'll sit for hours and watch a television show where they got a garage full of vintage cars, and we appreciate that, but somebody had to go get that car when it was rusty, 
yank it apart, pay somebody good money to put all the parts in it that was needed and restore it to its former beauty. And some of them, they never get their money back out of them. They just restore them because they're beautiful to look at. And it it gives people a good feeling to see something valued, something treasured, where love and and resource and all that stuff are poured into things. Huh? God begins pouring his love in you. He begins pouring his anointing in you. He becomes pouring his healing power in you, his revelation in you. All the things he wants to pour in you. And then everybody wants to flock and go lay hands on me and give me this and give me that. You understand what I'm saying? Because of a work of restoration that people don't see. They think you wake up one morning anointed. You don't wake up one morning anointed. You get worked on. Huh? It is. It's a process. And it's something God has to select you for. Now, you're willing. You, you, he knows you're willing from the day you're saved. He knows your heart. And he knows what he's got to work with, too. Amen. And none of it bothers him. You understand? He doesn't, he doesn't change his mind like many of us do. You know, I was looking at that truck and people were saying, that's a money pit. I want to say that too, but I can't say that. God doesn't give me permission to say that. He don't give me permission to quit. When he tells me to do something, I have to follow through on it. He has to give me permission to follow through on it. So the story's still unfolding. Amen. We're all an unfolding story. Our end has not been told yet. It has not been told yet. It says, of all their considerations, lepers knew one thing for certain. What they had been doing was not working anymore. And something had to change. God, through his convicting power, will push you to a point where you know you have to change something. You just can't do stuff the same way anymore. You see, in order to inaugurate the oncoming of a new season, at some point, the old season has to be left behind. Even though it's comfortable, familiar, the way you used to do things, sometimes God will move you from, from, you know, spending everything you make to saving all of a sudden. And it'll blow your mind that you, you really can do this. You know, things you thought you couldn't do before, you can really do these things. Huh? Why? Because he wants you to, he's calling you to, to a place in him that you've never been before. But I'll tell you, it's a higher place of living. You're not going to miss anything. You're not going to miss Taco Bell. Huh? You're not going to, they might miss you, but you ain't going to miss them. Huh? You won't miss Starbucks. You won't miss McDonald's. You won't miss any of that nonsense. Hmm? Stay out of them places. Keep that in your pocket. Believe God for somebody to give you something free sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Well, I like to be the one to pay. You're going to keep paying. I don't. I'm always looking for something. I'm always looking for a gift. (laughs) And see, I don't get them as much as some people because I'm always looking for them. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Gift me. (laughs) You don't want that? Good. I do. No. 
says, you know, they, they know they need something to change. He said, their conclusion inspires and motivates me. You see, in order to inaugurate the oncoming of a new season, at some point the old has to be left behind and let it pass away. The lepers said to one another, why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? What's keeping us from making the move? What's keeping me from changing? What's keeping me from making a decision? What's keeping me from... If you start to really question and examine yourself, you'll realize there's no reason for what you're doing. You've just been doing it. Huh? You've just been doing it. He says, I can almost hear one of them say to the others, whatever this is, it just isn't working anymore. We all have to face that truth before we can enter into a new season. Amen? you got to admit it's not working. When you're really ready for a change, you'll get to that point. You understand? When you want more out of life, you will get to the point to recognize it's not working anymore. Sometimes it's, it's fear. You don't want to change. Traditional habits, things that you've always done a certain way, things, ways that you've always behaved. And so we must realize that there are times when God makes an announcement somebody's going to have to change the way they think, what they anticipate, the way they live. They're going to have to break some rules sometimes, cross some borders sometimes, come out of a realm that they, just for instance, like when when we have these meetings, you know, on the road somewhere. People in normal churches look at y'all like you're crazy. Why you got to go? See, this is the problem with people. Change makes them feel like they're being forced to do something and they want to be in control when you change that's the main thing that you realize I won't be able to control this anymore like I used to I'm comfortable with it because I know what's going to happen I can control it and I'd rather die than not be in control of things well that's the way people are there's no reason for, for not wanting to change it's just that you know, they, they, they won't be able to predict everything and they won't have to have that comfort zone and that boredom and that sameness. But they like it because it is what it is. It's their boredom and their sameness. And if they have to change in order for it to happen, they're not going to do that. That's why your relatives don't get saved. Huh? They don't see it as just a change of heart and a sincere desire to be right with God or to serve God. They see it as they got to do something they see you doing that's distasteful to them. Uh When they get over that, they'll get saved. And trust me, everybody gets over it. You got me? They all, everybody gets over it. So we all have to face the truth. That truth before we can enter into a new season. He said, I learned long ago that before I can move into my future, my future has to move into me. Before you can move into your future, your future has to move into you. So stop fighting yourself. I'm going to say it again. See, stop fighting yourself. Because when somebody, say somebody encourages us 
to go forward or stop using, you know, wasting our time doing nonsense things. This is what people hate to be told. They, they challenge us to take a turn for the better in the direction God wants us to go. And so you're fighting that vision moving into your heart. What you're fighting is your own self from changing to allow that to come into your heart and settle in there and begin to grow and prosper and flourish. So you rather just fight, fight the prophet, fight the pastor, fight your parents. See, you're always fighting somebody. Let's try to encourage you to let this thing come into your heart. That's all God wants to do is get it inside you first. You ain't moving nowhere till it gets in there. You let it in there, and trust me, you're going to be a whole lot different attitude about it once it gets inside of you. Huh? The reason many of you have difficulty with people, situations, jobs, school, whatever it is, is that you're constantly fighting the change to come within you. You're fighting a change of heart. Hmm? You're just duking it out with yourself. Huh? Because you want to be right. We all want to be right. Huh? Many of us are scared. Scared to prosper. Yeah, because we won't do what it takes. We know what it takes. <laughs> Just, you just put a stake in my heart, Pastor Bard. Yeah, I'm going to take that one out and stick another one in you. Huh? So we don't, we don't, we don't want to change, it, and it's an inside change. Huh? An inside and a permanent change. That's why people go on diets and lose a thousand pounds in their lifetime and gain it all back. They never changed on the inside. I never embraced the skinny inner them or whatever, you know. I don't embrace it either. I don't even know who that person is. I used to know, but, you know, life. I'm not going to stress about it. You understand what I'm saying? That, that's, that's the last thing I'm going to do is get upset about it. You know, I'm either going to do it or not. But people do all kinds of things to skirt around the issue. You know, the problem is you eat too much. Too many calories that you don't burn off makes you fat. I mean, this is just math to me. 5,000 calories per day. You easily get three of them in McDonald's drive-thru. But you know, oh, I'm eating the wrong things. What, food? <laughs> Then we go buy some nuts, and after we go through the drive-thru, we eat the nuts. Or we juice. Double up on it. That just doubles your toilet paper bill. That's for all you juicers. 
they think they call eating right whatever it is they hear on television that Dr. Oz or Oprah or somebody. Uh, that's what they call it. You know, it would be different if you got nutritional sound information, but everybody's pulling into this fad stuff, new age stuff. Huh? And you do that for a while and go back to your same old, same old. Why? You never changed on the inside. You never made it a matter of prayer and concern between you and God. If you're a Christian, that's, that's kind of easy to do. Make it a matter of prayer and concern between you and God. You understand what I'm saying? And stay with it until you get it conquered. Huh? I conquer mine like Monday and Tuesday. I'm working on it. You understand? Pretty soon Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are going to come in there. You know, you don't stress about these things, but you, you want them accomplished and you understand that God has a solution for you and an answer for you. And that answer is in God. And it is in not eating as much, cutting back. And, you know, before I had a man, got married, you know, was younger, I knew what to do. Huh? You had, to, you had to get water pills from your girlfriend. <laughs> Boom. Huh? You know, abuse yourself and all that kind of stuff. But you, you had enough willpower to do that. You can do that. The Holy Spirit gives us self-control. So we can commit those things to the Lord and expect him to help us. And when help comes, accept the help. Huh? And that's our problem with many things. We're asking God to help us. And when help comes, we turn the help down. Then we mad at the help. Tell the help off. Well, you don't know what my situation is different. Okay. Ouch. But that has to come inside of us, folks, before it can do us any good. God's not going to honor that just outer show or, you know, uh, a temporary a temporary fix for something. You know, that, that kind of stuff. He's not going to honor that. But it will have to be an internal change. You have to let the word of God come into your heart. You have to let that settle in. You've got to let that sink in. You've got to let that work in you what it needs to work in you. To get the benefit of it. Certain things you have to let in. You have to let these things into your heart. So that you've got to let his word in. Not just the ones you like and you want it that's going to make you healthy, wealthy, rich, and all that kind of, but the words that will correct you. Uh-huh. The ones that nail you and tell you, you know what, if you could change this, your whole life would change. Huh? These things are life-changing for us. And this is what the lepers did. They allowed hope and the word of God to come into their hearts. They forgot about how difficult they used to think it was going to be or how impossible they used to think it was going to be. You have to forget all of those things if you're going to press forward. Did Paul say, forgetting all that stuff, how you think he went? He went, he got whooped every city he went into, but he went anyway. He must have done something right to even get out from the next place. He forgot that he got whooped the last place. He went in hope that he wouldn't get whooped this time, but got whooped again. You understand what I'm saying? But he kept going for God. 
Forgetting helps you a lot, folks. You know, I used to sometimes I would just be sitting thinking, you know, almost almost nothing much to be thinking about. And then my mind would land on something that I did before I got saved that was wrong, an embarrassment, you know. And I think to myself, I said, God, why is this coming into my mind right now? You know, I mean, what? He said, that comes for you to give it an answer. <laughs> huh? I would think of kids I'd been mean to when I was little. And I wasn't a mean kid. You know, I would, if I was provoked or something, you know, but I didn't go looking for nobody beat up or not. I kind of stayed to myself. You know what I'm saying? There was worse kids than me. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> You know, you just be thinking almost of nothing or, you know, and, and then that was shooting your mind. And you think, of oh God, why are you bringing it? He said, I'm not bringing that up to you. He said, it's coming to you for you to give it an answer. He said, you are to reckon yourself dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. He said, you need to answer that thing. And I said, you know what, devil, that person's dead. She don't exist anymore. Amen. She don't exist anymore. Uh, God doesn't even want your world disturbed that much. And, you know, you can shake that off and keep going. But we need to cultivate now uh, an attitude, a spiritual uh, uh, um, a garden around, you know, in, within our garden within. We need to start weeding stuff out. That would, would try to give you a bad day when God wants you to think on what's good and pure and lovely and good, all that kind of stuff. We need to weed that stuff out now and start to really process and, and cultivate a spiritual atmosphere in us and around us that's healthy for us to live in and to grow in God. And that's what these lepers did. They were outcasts. They weren't allowed to be around people. Nobody wanted to touch them. But they made a decision that they weren't going to just sit and do nothing. And we're just not going to do nothing. So he says <clears throat> they realized whatever it was, it wasn't working anymore. We all have to face that truth before we can enter into a new season. You can put on a happy face all you want to. Or a sad one if you want to. It just depends on how you want to roll with this. But the truth is, you need to change. There needs to come a change. And God brings it. Even before you can enter into your Amos 9.13 season, you have to change enough on the inside to accept it continually. Not just after, you know, Pastor Shirley or Miss Nola, somebody pumped you up with that scripture. You need to go grab it for yourself and read it several times a day. Huh? And see yourself embracing this and really walking in it. He says here, before you can move into your future, your future has to move into you. Your future from God. Not your little whim, whimsical things that you think are going to make you happy for a minute. Because that don't work either. And you know it doesn't work. 
But we're talking about something that God has prepared for you. Something that you're scared of from God that he's prepared for you. I'm going to say it again. Something you're scared of from God that he's prepared for you. Because that's what most people are. They're scared of God. I love the Lord. Yeah, but you're scared of him. Huh? Yeah, because number one, you don't know what he's going to tell you. You got to do. What do I got to do? I don't want to do it, God. It's going to be so hard. He going to make me. And God's just sitting up in heaven looking. What are they they talking about? They ain't talking about me. When has God made you do anything? (laughs) Some of us wish he would. You understand what I'm saying? It might be a little easier. We just throw ourselves in prison. Put yourself in the pokey and put yourself on bread and water for 190 days. Taste not, touch not, handle not. I'll be just fine. We're afraid of us, folks, is what we're scared of. We're scared. You know, we project it onto God. But what you're afraid of is that maybe I don't measure up. Maybe there's something else I need to do that I can't do. When most of the time we ain't doing what we can do. All God's saying is let this into your heart. He didn't say get up and go move to another city, go do some hard work, go do 50 push-ups. You understand what I'm saying? He told you to do none of that stuff. He just says open your heart to my word. And once his word begins to settle in there and work on you, it'll move out everything else. And, you know, the, room make, the word makes room for himself. Once God has your permission to move the word in. And you fight hard to keep that word in you. You embrace that word. And fight that dead person that you're supposed to reckon dead. That wants to fight everything all the time. Wants to fight everything that's good. Huh? People don't know what's good. And then their life is miserable and they don't want to let the misery go. I guess because it's their misery. I don't know. But this is the way people are. It's the way you and I are about things. He said many times a new season is precipitated by our own actions of faith. Do you know that I don't care for every situation you're in. There's something you can do to deliver yourself from it. There's some act of faith that you can do. And sometimes God will have you do it daily over and over and over again. Why? To get you in the habit of being successful. It's a daily habit. And you'll have that habit before, before you see the fruits of it coming in. Now, why does God do that? I have to keep doing this over and over, and then, then I'll start seeing some action. Here. We all want some action. Huh? So you don't get too easily turned over. See, that person that you're reckoning get dead has to die every day. 
We have to crucify him every day or he's going to live yet. God wants to make sure he's good and dead before he releases the fruit of your labors into your life. Huh? Everybody wants everything a miracle. They think a miracle is quick, fast, and in a hurry all the time. But miracles have to be labored over some. Oh, Pastor Benny, yeah, I got my healing back there. Somebody is. And he said, well, tell me, tell me, darling, what you do. I watch your show every day. I've been watching every day for three years. See, that's where, <laughs> you see, dying every day. Huh? To watching the housewives or, you know, Empire or whoever else. Watch Benny instead. Give him your full attention. When he goes off on this channel, you find out what channel he's on on the next one. Every day for three years. See, that's how God knows you'll keep it when you get it. Huh? That's, that's how long it's taken. Right? And see, right away, most people are disinterested. Oh, I got to do that that long for that much just to get that? See, you talk that way now because the preciousness of it is not set up in your heart yet. See, it becomes more precious the longer sometimes you have to wait for it. And the more you have to obey God without seeing anything huh, in return. Hmm? Them dry seasons. You don't think those lepers had dry seasons? They've already plowed. Huh? So now they're ready for their harvest. They've been sitting there being rejected, suffering persecution, being sick, not being healed, all of that, ready to die. They've been ready to die for a lot of years. <laughs> he says here, many times a new season is precipitated by our own actions of faith. The man with the withered hands, Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. We all know these are prophetic actions to bring the anointing in to accomplish the finish the job. To the man at the pool of Bethesda, he said, take up your bed and walk. To the blind man, the master said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. It's always go, pick up, do something. Peter walked to Jesus on the water only after he obeyed the Lord's command to step out of the boat. You can't walk on water in the boat. The message behind every command is stretch forth, rise up, or step out was simply this. You will never change what you are willing to tolerate. As long as you're willing to tolerate your shenanigans and going through life without accomplishing much in God, that's what you will do. As long as you're willing to tolerate half prosperity or half you know, half of things that we get, half a healing, half an anointing, half of this, half, you'll never get anything more. The day you say, I'm done with this, there's got to be more. I want the more, God. I'm not going to play around in the shallow water any longer. And mean it. And mean it every day. Don't mean it just when you're mad at something or somebody. But mean it every day. 
Anybody can blow off steam and want to change and go right back to the slop they've been living in. Understand this. God will not impose an Amos 9.13 season on you. To tolerate misery is to miss opportunity. To put up with mediocrity is to miss destiny. At some point, logistical inventory has to be considered in the question, why am I still sitting here? Why is this not changed? has to be asked and answered. The sound of faith. Four leprous men finally stood and balanced themselves upon their leprous limbs and began to do the only thing they knew, walk. That was it. They just walked. Mostly we would get what we need if we would just walk. Not in the same direction, but a different direction. They're not walking in the same direction. They're walking into danger. See, when when change wants to come on the inside of you, something in you feels threatened like it's going to be killed. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to die. It's going to have to die if you're going to live in what there is new that God has for you. Sometimes you need to change your attitude about situations, about people. Pick up a more godly attitude about it. Huh? I don't see prosperity coming to anybody who's not grateful. New age people know that. You know, the reason uh, drugs spread so quickly is because people get them understand the law of sowing and reaping. When they get something to get high off of, they share it with a buddy. Now, when you get something, you're going to bring yours. That's how people would do pot parties and all that stuff. I remember them in the 60s and 70s. So it spread by spiritual law, the law, simple law of sowing and reaping. Mm-hmm. Our lives grow the same way. You've got to sow into. You've got to put in time before God in prayer, studying the word, all these things. And don't reject, don't try to come up with something that opposes God but looks similar to it. Ishmael's easy to create. Just get what's available. Huh? Abraham didn't have to go far. Huh? He's just the next woman in the house. So it fits into your familiar. Looks like a kid, acts like a kid, breathes like a kid. But he's a brat. And nobody in the house could do anything with him. And can't do nothing with his kids now. These four men soon found themselves marching as if to the steady cadence of a loud drum. However, in reality, their footsteps were hardly making any noise at all as they moved across the field toward the Syrian army. That was only in the natural and visible realm, but in the invisible and spiritual realm, this is what you've got to understand. When you take a step toward what God has for you, forget yourself, forget your pride, forget the lies you've been telling yourself all these years, forget all that stuff. 
And you let the word of God sink into your heart and motivate you day after day after day. Anybody, I'm sure, listen, these lepers had at least three years of famine to decide that they were going to move one day. And they held on to that one day we're going to do something different. What would happen if we would just get up and do so and so? What would happen if we would just quit doing this? What would happen if I would hold on to this thought that I can be more than I am today? What would happen to me if I would hold on to that for at least three days in a row? And I get mad at myself for trying to think of myself as somebody who can accomplish something. That's what we do. That's what kills it. We kill it ourselves. God's not looking for you to leap into something unprepared. He prepares his people. But you've got to let that preparation take place. You just can't throw ideas out and ask God to sanction them. And, you know, this is what you're going to do. And then I'm going to do that other thing God told me to do. You ain't going to do that either. Ain't doing what you think you're doing. Just a thought. In the spiritual realm, those footsteps were shaking the kingdom of darkness. This is why the devil helps you so much to be mediocre. He helps us so much to accept the status quo. He helps us so much. Hmm? According to God's word in 2 Kings 7, 6, the four leprous men produced a sound similar to an approaching army. Somebody's got to get up and do it. Anybody who obeys God can get up and do it. To those, those Syrian, to the Syrian army, they thought they heard chariots and horses running all night long and they got scared. They knew it was coming to them, so they dropped all their stuff and ran for their lives. But it takes somebody who's going to risk losing their lives, which we feel like that anyway. God, oh Lord. Sorry about that. Isn't that what Abraham said when God said, put, put that boy out the house? I didn't tell you to get him. I mean, when I tell you I'm going to do something, I mean, I'm going to do it. That's what we're scared of. All these, our stuff that we don't like anyway, leaving us. Yeah, I'll go downstairs and talk to them. What is this? Methodist or something? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You don't like it no way. Or you wouldn't be praying for something else. I ain't talking about your husband and your kids. Get spiritual here. He says this form, they produced a sound similar to an approaching army. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said, see, you don't know what God's telling somebody else about you. You don't know what God is telling somebody you're going to do for them and what you're going to bring bring to them. April, you're the best person in that that job that you got. And you start need to start believing that, honey. God's got you there to change things. Things are not to change you. You got me? And start believing this about you've got the spirit of God living in you. You've been studying the word since you were born. What makes you think you can't change things around there, huh? 
God puts you there to change. You just keep taking one step. And I know it feels like you got cement shoes on some days. When you're working for God, you, you can't lift your feet to get in the right direction. But you get up and you go and you go with an attitude as I'm here. If there's something that's not right here, God will use me to bring a change. And that change is going to help this whole environment. I'm not a victim of this environment. Every single one of you has the potential to make that change. you got to see yourself the way God sees you. If you try to puff yourself up, that inflation is going to last until somebody sticks a pin in it. But if you recognize the first time why God has you somewhere. You don't have to, but you can be the most joyful person there and bring joy in that whole place. Care who's in there. Sinners love joy. They go out and pay, you know, $3 a shot for it when they're at happy hour. So they must like joy. You'd have some joy. Bring it in there. (laughs) And it's free. Yours is free. By their own admission, the Syrians acknowledged that the steps of the eight feet of four lepers sounded like three invading armies coming against them. Some lepers don't even have feet. Upon the hearing the sound of what seemed to be an overwhelming army, the enemy ran away, leaving behind the gold and the silver. Also, they left behind bread and seed for another harvest. So what you have will set you up for life if you let God work with you in it. huh? Not just silver and gold that are going to perish with the using, but also bread and seed for the next harvest. So you got a future. When you let God do these things. Our Heavenly Father always adds volume to our acts of obedience. Prophetic things that we do have a loud voice in the realm of the Spirit. In this natural world, much of what we do in faith isn't noticed at all. But be assured that invisible kingdoms are being impacted. There's a sound to your gifts when they fall in the offering plate on Sunday mornings at church. There's a sound louder than you realize in your faint midnight hour petition to God. There's a thunderous war to your praise that pushes back Satan's forces. That's why Joshua commanded the children of Israel to shout and blow trumpets at Jericho. That's why Gideon commanded 300 men to shout and blow trumpets when attacking the Midianites. That's why David wrote Psalm 47, 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. You're shouting to God. You're not shouting to the devil. You're shouting to the one who's going to help you. As the lepers entered the Syrian camp, they discovered the enemy had fled, but had left behind every night. They were scared to death. Imagine now, we're scared of changing and doing something different, and the devil's scared we're going to do it. That's why he's always saying, ah, who do you think you are? You can't do that. Get you noticing stuff in the natural. It's always the natural realm. You go into work. They don't seem to like me. They ain't supposed to like you. But they got to love you because you're bringing their deliverance. Huh? They don't ask me to go out. Go out by yourself. Huh? You always, you got three company, four is a crowd. You got Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You don't need nobody else. God set you apart for something different. 
Four sick beggars with what seemed to be a death wish walked into a large camp and found it vacant. Nothing left except enough food and treasure to resurrect all but all but uh, dead but the dead city of Samaria. They began to devour the food, throw gold coins in the air, watching them fall back to the ground like raindrops. Several minutes of, minutes of euphoric splendor. Now this is why you wait for stuff. This exactly is why you wait. What did they do? When they saw the wealth there and they saw what God had done to bless them, they said, it's not right that we have this all to ourselves. This is why you wait. If you don't wait, you'd be squandering it, hiding it, trying to keep somebody from knowing it's there. You get yourself in more trouble. Huh? It's the truth. We want to use it. Your flesh wants to use up everything that God would put into your hands. That's why they had to get to the point of either, you know, ride or die. We're just going to have to die here trying to do this or we're just going to ride it out with God. He said they looked at other. They said it isn't right that we enjoy all of this while our brothers and sisters are starving. Now, they didn't have love for people. Are you kidding me? Lepers get treated worse than anybody. You hear what I'm saying? You don't have to like people to do right. God will put right on the inside of you. You can do right for people who have spit on you. I I can't tell you probably people who have spat on them, not fed them when they had something, treated them bad. They're the worst treated people in the whole city, yet they wind up being the most generous. Only God can put that in your heart to do that for somebody. You can't make that up. They got convicted because God wouldn't let them swallow anything else until his word came to pass. God told that prophet to tell those people that food would be available to everybody. And they had to obey that. He said, let's go and return and, and share the good news. He said, it must have been like old miners in the gold rush days trying to walk into a town to stake their claim. The smile on their faces told all that there, all there was to tell. As soon as the lepers neared the gate of Samaria and the hungry people saw them using their sleeves to wipe away breadcrumbs from their mouths, the rush was on. A human stampede ran through the gates out to the field and into the end. See, those people had faith. The minute they saw evidence that that word had come to pass, they rushed to see it. All but the the Mr. Know-it-all guy that worked for the king. There is someone who sees and will not change until they hear the good news. And having obtained such great victory, my responsibility as well as yours is to now become a catalyst of change in that someone's life. One of the greatest descriptions of evangelism I ever heard was from the mythologist D.T. Niles. Sharing the good news is simply one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Amen. That's all you do when you share your testimony. You don't have to go Greek or Hebrew or Shebrew or any of that other stuff for nobody. Just tell them what and be honest about it. You understand what the reason we don't have more testimonies. We got a bunch of dishonest Christians here. You know, we want to tell people we was born praising God and I've been serving God all my life. You liar. Nobody does that. That's why we don't win anybody. We're trying to cover up our sin, past sin that's supposedly forgiven. <laughs> you need to tell somebody. I used to go to church high. 
Huh? But God let me stay. He hid that news from, from whoever could have thrown me out. Or the people in my church, they're not known for throwing people out. Uh, they pray for you and help you to get over yourself. Huh? Hmm? You know, whatever your sin, we need to confess these sins. Things People will, will know that God is real. Because you don't look like the type that would have done that anymore. Paul wrote, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them anymore. If we get out of sin and stay out of sin, we could give a decent testimony. Huh? Now we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. God chooses to use you to speak on his behalf and tell the world the famine is over and the reasons for rejoicing can be found everywhere. So that's your Amos 9.13. That's why God's doing all of this for us. Amen. And it's, it's not just something to say, but God watches over his word to perform it. He's not going to put a whole lot into the hands of people who squander. He's not going to put it into the hands of people who aren't faithful, who are not prepared. But if you'll give yourself over to him, prepare yourself, he will bless you beyond measure. You'll have all the resources you need. You'll have all the personal contacts, all the friends. Some of you, you know, when you're around sinners, instead of being scared to share your testimony, you need to share it. You might find your spouse scared to share what they're doing, too, because there's a lot of Christians in the closet. You start acting like a Christian, you'll draw the Christian out of other people. Huh? It's true. If you can obey God, you can get anything you've been praying for through your obedience. Anything. Doesn't matter. Well, we got to obey him. Not be afraid. Don't be afraid to let that word come into your heart. Change. (laughs) Change is needed. It was so funny when God told me he was going to restore me. I said, first thing, what do I have? He said, don't even ask me that question. You know, I'm doing this. You understand? You go along for the ride. Biggest problem with us trying to get something for us is we trying to do God's job. Hardest thing sometimes is taking your hands off of it so that he can work. 